Car Chat Podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Jamie. And each month we chat in my car about a woman of the Bible. Yes, and here we're we are. Actually, here in Oklahoma City, we have just eaten at a restaurant and we're on Robinson parked on the side of the road with trucks and cars going by side. It's like a little staring at us while we're talking. Oh gosh, it's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, we're on camera somewhere. It's so easy for us to feel alone and mm-hmm. in our faith and in our struggle. And so our hopes is through this podcast, we will gather a community of women, of broken yet redeemed women yes. with both you here listening mm-hmm. um, with us in the car and having this conversation, but then also with the women of the Bible yeah. so that we will be able to say me too when we hear her story and realize that we aren't the only ones who struggle. We want them to feel like friends. Yes. And not <laughs> Even when they about irritate it. us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And not feel bad about it right. because through their stories, we will discover the power power of God's presence, yes. not only in their lives, but in our lives as well. We want to be curious about their real life. I love These that. Are real women. Yeah. And answer the question, who is she? Yes. Because if we can answer the question who she is, then we will realize that she's a lot like me. That's right. That who God is to her, as we see in scripture, that he will also be that to me, Absolutely. where I am, my real life. Which and is so, a comfort and sometimes a good correction. It is. <laughs> we, need, we need both. <laughs> it's sometimes easier to see yourself outside of yourself and yeah. somebody else, kind of your weaknesses and, someone else's and tendencies story. and someone yes. else's story. And I think that yeah. we will do that today um, as well. Because remember, y'all, we are a community community of broken yet redeemed women. And this conversation really applies to every woman. Mm-hmm. We speak through the lens of ministry life because that's where our focus is and our yes. heart is here in Oklahoma. But it's relevant to every one of us because all of us are a woman. We are mm-hmm. moms. And I know there's some men that are listening too, and I love that. <laughs> uh, we're moms. We're sisters. We're wives. We're daughters. We're leaders. We're carpoolers. We're yeah. neighbors. Yeah. And we're target shoppers. I mean, <laughs> there's so many of us. We have a lot of similarities yes. in this, in addition to all the struggles that we struggle with. So yeah. sister, if you're listening, you are not alone in your struggle and in your faith, even when you feel that no one else is around. That's right. So last month we had our very first episode of Car Chat. We highlighted the very first woman of the Bible. Yes, she was such a surprise. She was. To me, and hopefully to many of you too. Me too. We have had so much fun hearing about how Eve really resonated with you in new ways. And we're so grateful yes. that our conversation also encouraged you in the way that, that you saw her and what God taught you through her. If you have not listened to episode one, go and listen to it, uh, download it and follow us. We just are so grateful for the response that we've had to this and just hope and believe and pray that while we have these conversations that God will intercede in your life, um, in this community of truth uh, yes. that we hope to cultivate. I love that. That's such a good hope. It is a good, <laughs> That's <hope>. a good goal. <laughs> well, this month we are chatting about Hagar, <laughs> but yes. we're going to answer the question, who is she with three words? But before mm-hmm. we dive into those three words, let's set the stage. Uh, Jamie, this content is, mm-hmm. is from a series that you taught through at your church, mm-hmm. um, in Shawnee, but, but why Hagar? Well, next. mostly because I studied her when she was up next on the list. Chronologically. She, yeah, she's kind of, in my understanding previously, I would have kind of classified her as one of the villains. Mm. So I didn't really, I didn't know much about her story, just mm. kind of how her story kind of came in and was um, a sideline or a, a kind of a, 
bad place in the story of Sarah and Abraham and getting to Isaac. And so I, I kind of missed a lot of it. And just like Eve's story, even though I maybe started it reluctantly, I was so surprised once I started digging in. Not so much about what it says about her, although she was pretty courageous, but more about what we learn about God in his, in the way he takes care of her and the way he provides for her, even though according to everyone else in life, even us looking back, there sh shouldn't have been any reason for that. Why should he have cared about her? Why should he have heard her and listened to her and given her any prominence? It should have been Sarah's story. You know, if we're just kind of going through who deserves it and where the promises are and all of that, it should have been Sarah's story. But God gives this whole, I mean, two halves of two chapters to Hagar and in a way and honors her in a way he doesn't honor anyone else, any other women in the scripture. So that is I just, so reassuring. I, I really love her. I love that. And I wonder what your expectation has been with Hagar, whether she was the kind of the black sheep of the Abraham Sarah yeah. story, which we have those expectations mm -hmm. and we just set that expectation of a truth until we take some time yeah. and really study. And every thing that is in God's word is an intentional truth point that God wants all of us to know about himself and about ourselves. Yes. And so that is what we're going to do with Hagar today. And I cannot wait <laughs> to dive in. Me too. So if you have your Bibles around or with you, or just to take a mental note of, mm -hmm. uh, Hagar's story is found in Genesis 16, 17, and 21. She's also mentioned one time in Galatians. It's not a great mention. It's but not a great it kind mention. of illustrates our point too. <laughs> yes. That God cares about her, even though everyone else would, would say she uh. her 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 life had no purpose. Uh. Or her life only kind of fulfilled a bad purpose. That's not true, according Gosh. to God. Do any of y'all feel like that? I mean, I have felt yeah. like that where where God, why are you even at the point of redeeming me? Because I don't know what my life has purposeful because yeah. of the junk that I've done or the decisions that I've made yeah. or the situation that I found myself in that may not even have been my fault. That's right. And so we're going to dive into Hagar. There's such relatability. There's such compassion with her. Mm -hmm. And ultimately we will see God show up in such a tender yeah. way it's, for her. It's one of my favorite pictures of him I've ever seen. Really? The, yeah, I just love it. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait. Okay, so let's talk first about the first word. First word. The first word of answering the question of Hagar, who is she? The first word is used. Isn't that sad? It's so true. And I just kind of hate it too. And I hated to lead off with this, but it it's really right. It's 100% right. It really builds the need yes. uh, for God to show up. And I think it also builds a bridge to relevancy right. feeling that way. That helplessness. She was a pretty good example, and many women in Scripture are, but she was one that kind of gets lifted out of the pages for us to see someone who really was powerless. Mm. Really, really put in a situation where she had no power. And she makes a power grab, which we're going to get to. <gasps> And this she loses, so which is even more discouraging. <laughs> it is. It's so hard when you work up the courage to, to do something, to try to make your life better. And you and lose. it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. Like you thought it would. Like you thought it but would. But God yeah. uses it. Because she is used by uh, Sarah and Abraham. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, the ironic piece of it that God also used her for good. That's right. So, oh, and I that's what that. he does. He's good at that. He is. I had never thought of it that way, but that is absolutely true. And He's you may be in the midst of your story in which you are feeling smashed like gum on the back of a shoe used, yeah. but have hope. 
knowing that just as God is using Hagar's story to bring about his purposes, mm -hmm. at certain points along the way, I'm sure, and we'll talk about them, felt like she wasn't ever going to be used in a good way. Yes. But have hope if you're feeling that way and listen up because God's got a sweet <laughs> word of encouragement for you. So let's build a framework to who Hagar was. Mm -hmm. She was an Egyptian maid. And I found this fascinating that as we look back in chapter 12 of Genesis, that mm -hmm. we see that she may have been in the exchange yes. of when Moses pretend, not Moses, not yet. But when Abraham pretend was worried about Sarah being so beautiful and uh -huh. that Pharaoh would want her and pretended that he was, she was his sister. Yes. And then Pharaoh was upset that he pulled this trick on him mm -hmm. because God brought some plagues on the people. Yes. And so Pharaoh said, here, take all this stuff. Yeah. We think that Hagar, right? Was yes, in that it could have been. And exchange. That's, that's legend. Mm -hmm. That is definitely not in the text. The only thing we know that connects her to Egypt in the text is that it says she was... Mm -hmm an Egyptian handmaid, mm. but even being Sarah's mm. handmaid would have put her at a position of some prominence. She would have had to have some kind of upward vision, upward hope in their culture in, in that little culture that they had there, even though it was all also kind of being formed. There was something about her that kind of put her elevated at top her. dog spot, but still yeah. a servant, still powerless. as a Isn't servant. that interesting? And kind mm -hmm. of the hierarchy of servanthood, we don't understand in America, mm -hmm. but Downton Abbey has given me some insight <laughs> on the kind she of leveling. She was downstairs. Yeah, she was downstairs. <laughs> if you've ever watched Downton Abbey, you know the leveling, the servanthood. And so yeah. she was a prominent servant to be yes. able to serve Sarah, which is and, even interesting in their relationship. Coming yes. Up. And to be considered mm. chosen by Sarah for, Ooh. I mean, it's yucky to us, yeah. but it would have been. Um, yeah. kind of, kind of a good spot yeah. in, in their culture. 10 years. She did that without any mention in the Bible. No, we don't even, right. So we don't know. So 10 years of this relationship being mm -hmm. built, 10 years of establishing, um, kind of her place within the family. Mm -hmm. But then <laughs> kind of set up what uh, Sarah, how Sarah, uh, concocted this plan and yeah. how she used Hagar. Well, and in, it, it's so interesting because you guys know the story. Every time we hear the story, it's all focused on Sarah and Abraham not being faithful, that they gave up on God's promise and they went with a second choice, kind of the next thing, which we all do. That The reason we pulled that out is because it applies and we resonate with that. But the interesting thing to me when you look into this is that in their culture, the way Hagar responds, she's actually the one in the wrong. Sarah's being smart. According to culture, she's problem solving. She's doing kind of the next right thing by choosing a, because barrenness, there was no option for it. And we put them ourselves in their shoes to imagine what 10 years of having a promise that wasn't coming true. It just didn't say it was so impossible, which is exactly God's intent. But man, Sarah wasn't having it. So she chose and gave Hagar to Abraham. And I think sometimes we think of it as like this kind of scuzzy background story, you know, in the back alleys or whatever. But really, I mean, the text says that she became his wife. Mm -hmm. She wasn't a concubine. She was a second wife, which automatically elevated her. Mm -hmm. And so even more. Yes, even more. And so that is when she when she becomes pregnant, that's when she makes the power grab. Ooh. Because how this should have gone is this peaceful thing where Hagar is given as a second wife and a child is born, legitimate heir. I mean, legally he would have been and was an heir. 
and they all could have lived happily ever after and they didn't need God anymore to bring the promised heir because they'd taken care of it themselves. And so we can't get past the second wife thing. We just, it's just a little, <laughs> and we never can. But when we put ourselves in their shoes with the way that was, yeah. Hagar, when she was like, okay, I'm going to use this to try to get ahead, she was the one who was wrong. Okay, let's put a pin in that plug yeah. because I think that that is a big choice that she made that kind of yes. changed the trajectory of the story of yeah. what it could be. But before that, I mean, the barrenness piece yes. of God giving a promise to Abraham and Sarah mm-hmm. and then not having it happen for yes. years. And for those of us who have experienced infertility, who have experienced miscarriages, there is such a, a loss and a longing yes. across the long haul. So there's so much relatability to what Sarah and compassion to what Sarah Absolutely. was. And I would have been so irritated with God. God never told me mm-hmm. that I would have a kid, a third child, mm-hmm. but in between the second and the third, we went through major infertility and in, in, uh, a number of miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And there was a point over four years period that I was like, Lord, what, what are you doing? Yeah. How I don't can this be good? How can this be good? How can this be okay? And to ha- to be believing a promise, but also having to live with the disappointment of it not Ooh. happening. There's a huge temptation. Okay. In that. Living with a promise. Mm-hmm. Wait, believing a promise, believing a promise, but living, living with the disappointment, with the disappointment. So believing the promise that God loves you or that God has a plan for you, mm-hmm. or that God works good in your story, or mm-hmm. that God is your shield and your protection. Yes. All those promises sometimes don't look like they're coming about. Absolutely. And that's when you have to still live in the reality of that disappointment yeah. with the belief and the faith that God will do what he says he's going to do. And but he, he is will he do it. That's right. And he will only do it his way. And his timing. In his timing. So hang in there. God's promises yes. are faithful and true and not one of them. Not one of them go without being fulfilled. That's right. And so we can hang in there with Sarah and resist <laughs> the urge not to create an answer or a solution to our longing. And he wants me to help him mm-hmm. answer this problem. And in our day, we can research. We have All mm-hmm. we have to do is be able to ask the right question. We can find all kinds of answers. Mm-hmm. Waiting without problem solving is very foreign to us. And so it this is a good point for us mm-hmm. to remember, not to get out of step with God right. when we're frustrated in, mm-hmm. in his timing, in his, yeah, in his work. She created a whole lot of drama, mm-hmm. Sarah did, by mm-hmm. trying to answer the she problem did. with her own answer mm-hmm. and not waiting and trusting on God. So let's dive into that. So yeah. she brings Hagar into it <laughs> and she's had this great idea. Hagar, my maid, mm-hmm. why don't you sleep with my husband? And you're right. I mean, there was, that was a, a common practice in ancient yeah. Near no East. No one would have thought it was ick like yeah. we do. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, it's gotta be a little ick, but surely I can't. Im- well, I just- and it has to be because <laughs> as soon as Hagar's pregnant, it says that she despised Sarah. Yeah. And I looked, when I've studied, I looked up this word. It means to make little of, to be little. Mm. And so in this power dynamic where Sarah was top and Hagar was under, yeah. she took that chance to belittle her. And that's what it means mm. when it says that she despised her. I can only imagine. So you have been given to the master, mm-hmm. to Abraham. Mm-hmm. You marry him, you have sex with him, and you have you are pregnant. Mm-hmm. Pretty quickly, I would assume, yes. based on the Sounds order like of it, what yeah. scripture says. Mm-hmm. Definitely better than Sarah's attempts at getting a baby. <laughs> I think if I were Hagar, I would be strutting with my baby belly. Yep. 
I would maybe be flirting a little bit more with mm -hmm. Abraham. Mm -hmm. I would be flaunting it in mm -hmm. Sarah's faith if I had owned this type of attitude. Yes. And she had a choice to yes. own this attitude or not. That's right. But I think I would have been a lot like Hagar. Yeah. I think from the text, we can see that she was, she didn't take this with humility. Mm -hmm. She didn't take it as a way to be a part of the family. Mm -hmm. She took it as a way for her to, to get out of her own situation. And she made little of someone else to make herself feel bigger. And we like to think that we're beyond above that, but we aren't. We do this all the time. We do this yeah. all the time. And we can do it with little comments, just little snide things, or just, just our own thoughts and that whole realm of comparison. But there it's, is so much it's, there. It's bad, for, it's bad for our faith. It's bad for our walk with the Lord. It is. Mm -hmm. And I can look opposite. back on my life where I had let comparison and jealousy turn things ugly. Mm -hmm. And looking back on those times, I wish I would have done it differently yeah. as I've seen it play out. Yes. And so when Hagar looked back, if she wished she could have done it differently, but y'all yeah, relationships with other women can be so tricky. And mm -hmm. I have been in situations where before I even know it, yeah. I'm behaving out of that jealousy or out of that comparison or yeah. competition without even knowing oh, it. It's yeah. just this ugliness. It, just, it comes naturally up, in you know. us. And that's who Hagar is. You know, in this situation, Sarah should have been the one mm. to step up and be a better example and, and be, she, she abused her. And I love that your first yeah, word is used because mm -hmm. she, she did, she did nothing good for Hagar that we see in the narrative. Mm. And that's, that's painful to, to lose your home and to be in this family where it doesn't seem that she is valued. That's so true. And so she's, she has lost a lot. She has a lot. The cost mm -hmm. was she, high. The cost was high. Because we uh, see that after uh, Hagar kind of is flaunting around mm -hmm. and, and... She despised her. Despised her. Okay. <laughs> different so translations she, say it different, but... Gosh, that's a despised, big word. Yeah. She despised her. And so then... Mistreats. Mistreats. <laughs> I think that's what the text says. Yeah. It was harsh. It was harsh. I, I, I think it probably was physical, like some kind of a harsh mistreatment to the point and think about how Hagar has lived to the point that she ran away. Yes. It had to have been really yes. bad. She's also pregnant. I know she's <laughs> so pregnant. Sarah has mistreated her. And then Sarah goes to Abraham and says, I gave my maid into your arms this is verse five of chapter 16. <laughs> and when she realized that she had conceived, I was despised and looked on with disrespect. <laughs> Poor Abraham. I know. I mean, you've got of drama. He's got Sarah, who's old and angry and struggling, and you've got Hagar, pregnant. Plus, and he doesn't take much leadership in this, which is kind yeah. of a whole other story. A whole That's right, message, because he then says in verse like, six, whatever. look, your maid, Sarah, is entirely in your hands and subject to your authority, yeah. even though his child, mm -hmm. that Hagar was with his child. Mm -hmm. So she, he told Sarah in verse six of 16, do as you please with her. Yeah. And so then we see Sarah treated her harshly and humiliated her. Mm -hmm. And so then Hagar fled. Hagar fled. She ran. And pregnant you lady, you've pointed out that Hagar has two times. We're yes. about to get into this two different times. She runs one time and she sent another. This time she runs. I mean, her, her life is miserable to the point that even though she has this baby, it's better to be away. It's better to, oh. 
just take her chances with the wilderness. And then the scripture says he was on the road. It says that yeah, with the, the angel of the on Lord the way to her. Shur or something. Yeah, on yeah. the way to Shur, it's on the way to Egypt. It was going back home to Egypt. That's I it's and I think it was an impossible trope. Uh huh. If I can just get home, I think that was an impossibility. But just I think that out. just shows where her frame of mind because she's in the wilderness there's no way she'll survive Ooh, it okay so she is in the wilderness mm -hmm. she has been despised she has been used and used means uh, to be manipulated and taken advantage of for the benefit of another that's yeah that just drives it home doesn't it and so many so many resonate with that I this know. is true it's this so hard, so, yeah. whether it be any relationship yeah. in your life. Hagar was not innocent. She was not perfect in this no. scenario, and she fled. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing is that God uses her. Mm -hmm. She was used by Sarah, but God uses her. And he uses what others meant for selfish reasons, and he turns it for good. Yes. Uh, I love in verse 16, uh -oh. 10, he says, The angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. I mean, Which that is a beautiful blessing. It's an echo of, Isaac's, of, yes. of Abraham's promise for Isaac. It's interesting? really interesting to me. Okay, so before we go there, I mean, let's back up. He also says he'll be a wild donkey of a man. Oh, I know. Which totally grabs me up. A wild and donkey I'm of a sure man. I'm sure there's people listening that are like, oh, that's a prophecy for my kid. <laughs> I did not know that was in the Bible. Yes, the Lord told Hagar that her unborn son, Ishmael, would be a wild donkey of a kid. How yes. many of y'all have those in oh, your houses? Oh, that's one of my favorite things, too, in the scriptures. <laughs> okay, so let's back up, though. So yeah. she has fled. Yes. Um, and it says in verse seven that the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And I love what mm -hmm. he says. Mm -hmm. It says in verse eight, and he said, and he calls her by name. Yes. Hagar, Sarah's maid. And he asked her two questions. Mm -hmm. The first one, where did you come from? And the second one, where are you going? Yes. For God to call her by name, first of all. To call her by name is huge. It's I think beautiful. that's, that it, I think we rush past that because mm. we already know her name, mm. but she didn't know that God knew her name. She didn't know that God knew her name. This, I saved. think this is really profound mm. Mm -hmm. in the middle of such turmoil and just, I mean, she, she really is willing to face death right here. That's it's almost, that's where she's walking. And to uh, to have God come and call her by name. And maybe the message for you uh, today is just to know that God calls you by name. Yeah. If you're listening and you feel you're in that wilderness place where you've had to run from things or you're in a, a tricky drama situation yeah. at work something or your messy. family, something really messy mm -hmm. with other people, whether it was your it, it fault or, or not your fault, or, both. or oh, that just the simplicity of God calling you by name, mm. Amy. Steer. Jamie, so it's precious. And for all you listening, just take a moment and, and hear that in your brain, that God is calling you by name. I think that that is just so beautiful. And so then he precious. calls her Sarah's maid, which is also interesting. He reminds her of her situation. This mm. is, he's kind of giving her a little heads up of the answer to where have you come from and where are you going? Mm. So why do you think he asked those questions? Those two questions. Of you know, Hagar? I love those questions. I, I think, I think for Hagar and also for us, to pay attention to God's questions is really important. And I think when he says, where have you come from and where are you going? He's trying to get like a spiral, kind of a vicious circle way of thinking and just even it out just a little bit. Let's just get a little more linear. Let's just think here. What, what has brought you here and where do you want to go? Mm. What, what's happening? And I think if we have that conversation with God in a, in the humility and the cooperation of his work in our lives, I know for me, 
to be able to answer, how did I get here when I'm in emotional turmoil? Sometimes that takes more self-reflection than I want to have. But if I'll, <laughs> if I'll go to the, if I'll do the work with him mm-hmm. and be able to answer, how did I get here? What is it that has you so upset? You know, I think of the other Psalms that, you know, why so disturbed? Why, what's going on here? Why are you so troubled? And just giving yourself some time to answer that. And then that's kind of coming to terms with our circumstances. I mean, this stops her from this mindless wandering in the desert. I mean, imagine her sandals in the sand and her hunger and her nausea because she is pregnant. Oh my gosh. And just to stop for a minute and have someone call her by name who she doesn't know and then have them say, where'd you come from? I mean, it's just such a random, weird little thing, but it, it, it brings her and centers her where she is at that time. And then the next question, where are you going? You know, if, if we are, as we follow God for Hagar, it was, well, you know, I really don't know because she had no, she had no plan. It, it, right. She didn't really have a realistic plan mm-hmm. and it makes us the same. And we say, where are you going? Okay. Where am I going? Am I going to keep going my own way? Mm-hmm. Am I going to get in here with the Lord and cooperate and change my attitude and change my perspective from something that's all about my circumstances to what he has called me to be, who he has called me to be, where he has called me to go. And I think in ministry, this is so important mm-hmm. because our circumstances just can kind of drown us and overwhelm us. And to be reminded, where are you going? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to go with you, God. Mm-hmm. So I need to get this perspective in, in gear. And that's mm-hmm. how I use those questions. Mm-hmm. These are kind of some of my questions I go to in my journal. They're, it's just a kind of a good thing when that's you're really in immer- emotional turmoil and, and kind of need a break to that vicious circle circular because that kind of spiral thinking is always going to go deeper and worse mm-hmm. than where it started. I call it a tornado. It's yes, a tornado it's, it's in my exactly, brain. Exactly. That's exactly. And it just swirls down and causes destruction. It's not going to make your thoughts better. It's not. No. Um, so these kind of break us out of that. It does. It's sometimes though I want to sit in that because I feel justified <laughs> in my bad attitude. Yep. By and you probably up. are. <laughs> yeah, You're could. probably right. <laughs> it's true. But we can't stay there no. and exist in a space of, of hope and of joy. And so when you make the decision to break that crazy yes. thinking cycle, these are two really great questions to dialogue really with questions. God about in your journal. It's interesting to me that he asked them too. I, know. I, I think it just stops her in her tracks and makes her get a little bit more control yeah. so that she can hear what he's about to say. Uh, and he already knows the answer to this. So mm-hmm. these questions are not for his benefit no, of information. That's right. These questions are for her yes. to, to do some self-reflection answer. Yes. And she does answer. She answers. I am running away from my mistress. I just wonder what the rest of that conversation uh-huh. was. Maybe she just left it at the sentence, but uh-huh. I am running away from my mistress, Sarah. Mm-hmm. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, and I, I love this, but I hate this. Yes. It's very annoying because he <laughs> says to go back, go back to her mistress and submit humbly yes. to her authority. What? I know. I mean, he told, tells her to go back into that situation. Now that is not a temp, a template nope. for everybody's Absolutely situation, not. especially if there's abuse involved. That is not no. the uh, message no, no, no. of scripture that's here, no. but within the context of this story and of the culture of this time, God said to go back and humbly submit to her authority for her survival, for what God knew she was going to need to survive and even thrive in her life. Mm-hmm this is going to be a part of it because both her physical life and her emotion, her emotional willingness to be a part of that family and culture was going to, she was going to have to have an attitude adjustment. Who basically who was saying, Ugh. get your attitude adjusted. Yes. Basically. 
basically he's saying it's so that. annoying <laughs> and you've got to go back mm-hmm. into the situation mm-hmm. um yes. that's what i want us to know from he this. did it because he knows what we need and when we don't obey him from the start the correction sometimes feels like yes. that, but it isn't. It's for it's to protect us yes. and it's, put us in a place where we can grow. Oh my gosh! And so, if you are in a situation <laughs> that God is saying go back, or He is keeping you in a place, or He's holding you in a place that yeah. is really hard, that's when we need to to, to focus again on um, who He is and His promises. Yes, and knowing that we can exist in this space of believing His promise, but also living in the disappointment of it not yeah. being how we want it to be or the and pain with Hagar. We don't know exactly, but we, we fast forward to 16 years later, mm-hmm. Isaac is here. Mm-hmm. Things really aren't, they're not perfect. They're not, they don't really seem better. Yeah. Cause don't we do that? Okay. Mm-hmm. God, you're telling me to go back because that's right. Me and we Sarah have can be restored. Yeah. We're going to be fine. Gonna I, I'm going to, I'm going to be the second wife. I'm yes. going to have all these privileges. I'm not going to have to deal with these things that are hard. I'm going to be able to be the top dog. I mean, anything that's elevating us like that. Oh my goodness. He's probably not going to, he's not going to celebrate. I that. always write the rest of my story to have the happily ever after of yes. how I depict it yes. in a movie of my life. Right. And to be the hero. Yes. And to really do that. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Mm-hmm. And God is always creating a happily ever after, but it is usually on a different timeline and it diff- it usually looks a whole different way. And it's never with us, the hero. It's never. No. And it's always better than what Absolutely. we had written for ourselves. Always better. Way beyond what we can imagine. Um, just different. We have to kind of unloose our grip mm-hmm. from what we had expected and mm-hmm. what we had thought mm-hmm. in order to receive and kind of take the ride yeah. with him in faith and I process. Agree. That's so true. Okay. So the first word was used. The second word was rejected and we've really mm-hmm. layered Used and rejected they go together yeah, they do mm-hmm. and i think the fact that it happens twice it just okay oh. so let's talk about the first reject yeah was when she's pregnant sarah yeah mm-hmm. sarah just mistreated her and so she's pregnant and hagar ran mm-hmm. and fled to the wilderness and the part that i want to make sure we see here is i mean god says this is who you are this is your situation this is the promise i'm going to give you go back this is your son this is his name this is what he's going to be But her response to all of that is one of the most beautiful things because her response is, you're the God who sees me. Mm. And I learned, this is crazy to me. I never would have picked this up on my own, but I learned in studying about this that she's the only one that does this. She's the only one that names God. Wow. And I I just think for God to seek her out in the wilderness to, to call her by name, to give her the hope, to give her the promise... And allow her the honor of giving him a name. Mm. That's a, a woman, mm. and this woman is just so uniquely to the core of who he is. You and I think it's funny because she names him the God who sees me, but really she's being heard. Ooh. Maybe for the first time. I think it's so unique that she says, "You're the God who sees me," because when when we're when we are heard, when someone really hears us, yeah. we feel seen. Yes. And, and, and in this whole exchange, part of the thing that, that's communicated to Hagar is that God has listened to her affliction. And I just think this is a message for some of our listeners today, mm-hmm. too, because that word listen means to give undivided attention. Mm-hmm. So for Hagar, who's really been overlooked, probably misunderstood, on this journey to death, basically, all of this disappointment— to say, God knows your name. He knows your situation. 
And he is giving you his undivided attention, not just you, but your pain. Because mm. don't we feel the most alone, the most isolated from God when we're hurting yes. and don't understand yes. it? And she says, you are the God who sees me, mm. not the God who hears me. You are the God who sees me because he gave his undivided attention to her pain. And she was forever changed mm. by it. And I don't know, we, we know so as we good. go all the way to the end of her story, we don't necessarily know she was some great pillar of faith. Right. But she names God and he gives her that privilege Mm. and that honor. I think it's just unbelievable. I mean, there's so many things that play out in Mm -hmm. that, um, feeling seen, feeling heard. Mm -hmm. And the the thing too, that just, I just, uh, sometimes (laughs) when I feel seen and heard, it's because I get what I want. Yeah. But he says, I see your pain. Go back. Yes. And let's live this thing out. That's right. The way that I have planned for you. He and is coming. This is his name. And his name means God hears. Yes. I love that with Ishmael. And so you you can do this. Mm-hmm. You're going to have what you need to survive this. That's and good. she she knows. She feels it. And, and maybe for the first time. And at the end of this chapter, we see that Abraham was 86 years old and Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. Mm-hmm. So she goes back. She goes back. And she. Even uh, with the rejection. And I, I guess she would go back in obedience and humbly submit. I wonder what that reconciliation was like. I can't imagine that like. Sarah tolerated anything else. <laughs> because we do know eventually, and yes. 16 years later, that there's another little yeah. episode yeah. with the two of them. Yeah. The next word, which is notice. Notice. And this is what we've just been talking yeah, about. Yeah, this is scene. being seen mm-hmm. and heard. And the word that he sees me with understanding mm-hmm. and compassion. I love it. And I love that duo because yeah. it's more than just my eyeballs are visually seeing you person, yep. but it is reading in between the lines. It is knowing mm-hmm. her story it is loving her with such compassion. Yep. If you have messed up in a Royal, feel like your, mm-hmm. your future is lost. Yeah, what have I done? Hope. Yeah. There's, there's hope. hope in Hagar yes. and it is to fall in line and obey the Lord yes. is your path back. And to give him, to go to him with that pain and give him a chance to do this for you, to be, to give undivided attention to your pain. Be able to see your pain as well. And we do so much of, of shielding and band-aiding it, but, but we have to see the pain, see the wound, just like God does. He gives us an example of, Mm -hmm. of that, but we have to be brave enough to take him by the hand Mm -hmm. and go with him into the pain Mm -hmm. um, in order to be freed from it, in order to be restored from it, in order to be redeemed from it. And that is a huge piece to this puzzle. It is. And the promise I hope you hear from Hagar's life is that he meets you there with compassion Mm. and not with judgment Mm. because Hagar's pain was some from others, some from herself. It was all messy Mm. and it's hard to sort that out, Mm -hmm. but he met her with compassion. Mm. So throw away the scorecard of whose fault it is, whether it's yours or somebody else's, and just know that the Lord meets you there with compassion. Absolutely. So she feels noticed as well. And Mm -hmm. I chose this word because it encompasses all those things. Yeah. Seen and heard. Here's some other synonyms. Mm -hmm. Observed, spotted, sighted, perceived, discovered, recognized, and understood. Oh, y'all take that in. Read it again, Amy. God notices you. He observes you. He spots you. 
on Robinson <laughs> Street in a Nissan Pathfinder it. car or in your home doing dirty laundry. Where you think you're hiding. Where you think you're hiding um, on in sweatpants and a hoodie. Yeah. God sees you. He notices you, perceives you. He discovers you. He recognizes you. He calls you by name and he understands you. Understands. I love it. That's the core of what we need from him, I think. And sometimes I don't understand myself, but I can rest <laughs> in the, the Father who understands yes. me even when I'm really don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, he really does. And we can lean into that strength. As, I love it. As his strength. The, the flip side to being noticed is feeling unnoticed. And the fact that she is noticed by God mm-hmm. kind of illuminates the fact that she was unnoticed by her in her people. personhood yes. by her people. By her exactly. People. Yeah. Because unnoticed means disregarded, forgotten, ignored, neglected, unheeded, and overlooked. And can any of us identify yes. with that? Especially our church ministry. Oh my God. Our ministry wise listening. I have been just looked through sometimes of, or just being used mm-hmm. as a part of the ministry and a tool in the hands of God of how I can meet other people's needs. from Or people. only recognized if you're with your husband. Mm-hmm. Anyone? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's so true as a ministry wife. It is so true. And so feeling unnoticed is a deep wound. And I think all of us could recount childhood moments in which we weren't mm-hmm. picked for the team, yeah. in which the guy that we liked didn't ask us out, yeah. in which, you know, we were neglected by somebody, a teacher, a coach, or whatever. We worked really hard mm. at something that no one really cared to It's to a appreciate. real feeling. Yeah. And it's here in scripture. And yes. so in that, it's just another, just God wink saying that all the things that you have felt, I see and I understand and I hear yes. with compassion. Yes. So there's no need to hide it no. because God noticed Hagar in her reaction and her rejection and her reaction. And her reaction. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. In her first rejection, we've already talked about yeah. this. He found her. He calls her by name. Mm-hmm. He tells her to go back and she responds with, you are the God who sees me. Mm-hmm. But so she goes back and we're tackling. T- now the second rejection yes. that happens and how God notices her yeah. in her rejection again. Yeah. And so we see that in chapter 21 of mm-hmm. Genesis, she's back 16 years have happened. Yeah. They've had the all stage. of this life. Mm-hmm. Who knows exactly how that's gone, but they've all lived together and Isaac is, has arrived. He is here. He's a couple of years old and they're celebrating that he's being weaned. So they're celebrating basically survived infancy <laughs> and survived. Sarah, again, gets upset because of something that that Ishmael does. And we don't have time. You guys yeah. go look at the text yourself. But Abraham is hesitant. He, I think he, he wants to make all, he kind of wants all of the plans to work. And this will preach to us as well. We may and we want to hold on to our own power grabs, our, the things we have done, the solutions we have made. And this time, though, she is not, she doesn't leave on her own. She is forced out. Mm, yeah. And it's not a baby. She's not walking out of here with a toddler. I think sometimes we, we imagine it. And this is a death sentence. It's, it's a divorce, a death sentence. Ooh. And he sends her out because it's what Sarah wants. And this 16-year-old son, she can't save him. So she tucks him under somewhere. And then she goes far enough mm. away where she doesn't have to watch him die. I can't, I can't even imagine it. I really can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah. The hopelessness, the loss, the grief. Mm-hmm. And I would think that I would go, whatever, God, you told me to go back. Yeah. I wonder if she remembers the promise. I wonder. I wonder if she's given up on it. She is, she's so despondent here that I wonder if I believed the promise. You said he was going to be a wild donkey of a man, but you said he was going to be a man. Yeah. 
what what did I miss? How could this be wrong? How could this be happening? Can you, I mean, just, she's crying out. She is sobbing, sobbing. it says. And yeah. I have sobbed. I know you mm -hmm. have sobbed, but it is this expression of emotion. Yeah. And so she raises her voice and she weeps. Yes. And she finds herself back in the wilderness, this time with her six-year-old son, mm -hmm. this time knowing that her time with Abraham and Sarah is done. Yeah, it won't go it back. And, and she's utterly without resource. I, mm. I don't know that we ever really have felt that. I know spiritually, emotionally, you can feel like that sometime, sometimes, but she really is without resource and Ooh. she's just crying. That is, that is desperate. Yeah. That is sad. And I don't, haven't felt that way physically or in mm -hmm. my situation mm -mm. often, but emotionally and spiritually, uh, yeah. I have felt I get it too. done. Yeah. Just done. So disappointed. How oh. can this be? Those things. How can this be? How she can this is be? Us. Yeah. She is one she is of us. In verse 17 of chapter 21 is so beautiful. And mm -hmm. it says this, God heard the voice of the boy. Yeah. Cause we're told she's weeping. Yes. So what was, what was Ishmael doing? And the angel of God called to Hagar. Yes. So he heard Ishmael. Heard Ishmael. He called to Hagar. What do you take this. of that? Well, I love, because if you keep going on that, what's so important to me in this lesson, and this is a big mothering lesson, it's actually just a lesson, <laughs> but he comes to Hagar and says, I hear Ishmael. Yes. I hear him, and I love this phrase, right where he is, right where he is. And I know there are mamas, me included, this very day that need to hear that. Mm -hmm. In, in our crying out, God answers us. I hear the cry of your kid. Mm. You maybe don't even, you can't hear, you have distanced yourself where you can't hear him because his suffering is too great. Mm. But I hear him right where he is. And then he gives her instruction. He says, get up and hold him fast. And there's a lot for us to unpack with that. But at the core of it, I would just encourage all of us to remember when our kid is struggling, that God hears them right where they are. And for us to come back close, as close as we can, to get up, to hold them up, to provide the best that we can. And when our kids are struggling, sometimes distance is required. But God gives us the grace to, to stay up with them, to, to rise up and not just give up. And that's what he tells her right there. And then she opens her eyes. There's the water. Gosh, that just needs a little <laughs> the moment. End. I know. Yeah. I know. I mean... I just want to settle in that God hearing the boy mm -hmm. and calling to Hagar. Right where and he says, is. And he That's asked Hagar key. another question. What troubles you, Hagar? Yeah. As again. if <laughs> he couldn't size up the seat. <laughs> he's not, he's not really confused about he's this. He's not confused, but he it wants her hard. to identify where it is. <laughs> yes. And then he says, do not be afraid yes. for God has heard the voice of the boy. Yeah right where he right is. Where he is. So whatever that means to you, take that as a word of hope yeah. and of promise. Absolutely. Straight from God's word into your reality, into your life yeah. through the life of Hagar and Ishmael and to hold your son fast and not to give up That's right. because God says, I will make him a great nation. And mm -hmm. then, and he does, he does. Mm -hmm. And then, as you said, that God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. <laughs> so that whole story, <laughs> here's what I love about that, that, God opens our eyes sometimes to what he has already provided for us there. Yes. 
was a well already there. I mm-hmm. would assume so. She just mm-hmm. couldn't see it out of her mm-hmm. grief and despondence. Mm-hmm. And so often there's provision that God has given us, but out of our despair, we can't see it. And so, so short-sighted, focused on our pain. We mm-hmm. are. And our pain is great. Yes. And, and that's the that's space right. to do that. Right. But to be able to dialogue yeah. with God like Hagar did and mm. then to respond to him mm-hmm. so that she could then help the boy up, hold up his hand. And then it says in 19 that she gave the boy a drink <laughs> of water. Yeah. God was with Ishmael and he grew and developed and he lived in the wilderness and became an export archer. And he lived in the wilderness and his mom took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. <laughs> and that's Ishmael. Yeah. There's a couple other places within scripture that, that talked about, but for our conversation today, yes. this is where we're tying a bow to it. Yes. Because I think it just finishes with such a beautiful picture of what God does when we feel used and rejected, mm-hmm. that he notices us, that he hears us. He hears our cry, hears the cries of those people that we're praying for yes. and that we aren't able to reach. <sighs> And he asks us to respond to him, whether it be go back, whether it be get up. And he will open our eyes as Mm -hmm. we move in those points of obedience to the things that he's already provided. And I don't know if she imagined, well, wouldn't it be nice if there was a well here? Sometimes I can't even predict (laughs) what God's provision for me will be. You just can't reach it with your own strength. Or your own thinking, because right. it's understanding and, mm-hmm. and provision is so beyond what we are. So if you are absolutely confused in your life <laughs> in this wilderness place and don't even know what God is doing, have hope. Yes. Knowing that as you dialogue with him, as you obey him, as you lean into him and trust him for who he is as what he's promised in his word, mm-hmm. that he will open your eyes. Yeah. Ask him to. Absolutely. And you will see how he provides for you every step of the way. Because yeah. he has a story just like he did for Hagar and Ishmael and Sarah and Abraham and Isaac. Mm-hmm. He has a story for you. Yes. It's for your good. Yes. And um, that is the hope that we can live in. Yes. It is beautiful. One last thing that I love about Hagar's story is that God could have just eradicated her and protected his plan. She did not have the power by what she did or didn't do to derail God's promise of Isaac, but he loved her enough to give her, I think it's 14 mentions. Her name is in our text to give her honor, to name her and allow her to name him and to protect her. And through her people came an entire nation that we might not think should be blessed. And it just shows how God loves the individual, even while his plans cannot be derailed. And in a ministry life where you really think you might have that power, like what I've done or not done, might really have just messed up what God is doing for my husband or in our church or for my kids. That is just nonsense. And we know that because of Hagar's life, that he meets us in the middle of that mess and says, I know your name. I don't know where you've been and I know where you're going and it might not be perfect, but I'm not leaving you alone in this. And we can say, you're with me in my pain and I feel seen. I'm never alone. That's, that's Hagar's story. That is so good. It's a miracle. It's a, it's a precious thing about God that we often just don't see because she's just the bad girl. And we have to know that she is one of us in this community of broken and redeemed women. Absolutely. And that who God 
was to her, he is to us. us. And that is the promise that we can take from this. Well, that was so fun talking about (laughs) Hagar. It's one of those things where it's a story that's a little uncomfortable. It's a little painful. But you're so grateful it's there because you know that healing's on the other side. And we pray that for you. Absolutely. We just pray that for you. That's so good. Yes. And so thank you for joining Car Chat Podcast. (laughs) And we will see you next time. (laughs)